This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the first Claret and Blue podcast of 2021. Of course, we're starting the year with a defeat. Obviously, uh, things don't go to plan, do they? Sometimes it's Manchester United 2, Aston Villa 1. I'm Dan Rowlandson, joined as always by Matt Kendrick. Matt, how are you? A bit annoyed, actually, to be honest. Yeah. Really, really... Um really frustrated by that because I thought we were good value for a point. Um, I, I, I normally don't wade in into these VAR ones because I always I try and give myself um, a little bit of wriggle room when these ones that are kind of, you know what I mean, can go either way. But this one was so blatantly wrong. Um, it's just infuriating me. Clear and obvious wrong or does that not, does that not count? I've just tweeted, haven't I, that I don't think they even, they've even got a telly at Stockley Park. Um <laughs> Because if I don't know what I don't know what they're watching, I don't know what replays they're watching. Um, it's just infuriating because that, that's been a good Villa performance tonight. Mm. Um, but I think you know some things. Some things remain the same. You know, we we managed to beat Arsenal last year. Um, you know, I mean, we smashed Liverpool seven two. But United, we just they just seem to have this kind of um, I don't know, have this 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 edge over us, and it frustrated the hell out of me because I thought we matched them for for a lot of that game tonight. Mm. I didn't quite realise how bad the United record was, like the actual statistic of, I think it's three wins in the Premier League year, I think. There's 2009 where Gabby scored and the other two I wasn't even born for, I think. There was the 95 one with the you'll never beat the kids thing or whatever it is, you'll never win with kids, get the quote right. I think that was the August of the 95, so I wasn't even born then. I think the one before that was uh, 93 or 94, the first season of the of the Premier League. So the record against United is horrific. I always know that United's a difficult game. We always used to seem to get them in the third round of the FA Cup and would always there'd always be something that goes wrong when you play Man United. And again today, just it's just weird. Everything just seems to go their way. And I, I don't like to sit here and be like, oh, the referees seem, seem better with the bigger clubs and all this kind of thing. But that's what it feels like. There's times where Matic is absolutely clean, greedish, clean out purposely going over there to foul him. And it took him to, I think, the third or fourth one before he gets the yellow card. And it's something like the 87th minute, so it doesn't matter anyway, because he knows that if he if he fouls him again, he's not going to send him off. Whereas if he'd have given him the yellow in the 60th minute or whenever it was, and then he has to make a decision then, that changes the game a bit. It's just rubbish. Like, we've played well there, and I feel like we should be talking about how good Villa are. But again, VAR and the referee comes in and steals the show. You know, the, the one little kind of sliver, sliver of encouragement that... I kind of, I've grown bored of hating Man United. In My recent... dad still hates them. He was not happy just now. The have been so far away from them. You know, it was a real battle. You know, we were challenging for the title back, you know, when you were just a little twinkle in your dad's eye. <laughs> but well, I, feel, I feel we're closer to him now. Yeah. So I actually take encouragement from the fact that it feels, it feels worse because they're a rival. You know what mm, I mean? A proper rival yeah. now. Um I you thought know, it was interesting that the celebrations at the end for Man United, they were they were proper giving it. The Man United players, like they just uh, just won the title. I think that probably shows how how difficult a game they've been in for tonight, and that that's probably testament to Villa that we should be quite proud of what we've seen there. That 
yeah, we've created a few chances and probably should have done better with a couple of them. I think the Watkins one was a, a good effort. Keenan Davis has not even hit the, he's far out to be fair with, with the header, but not even hit the target. And I feel there was a few chances where we probably should have done a bit better, but we've gone 12 traffic there, given it a good go, really gone toe to toe with the, the now joint top, uh, joint top side, which I don't quite know how many not at the joint top of the Premier League, to be honest, but that's another story. And I feel like we probably should be sitting here quite proud, thinking, well, it's a good start. No, and we carry on with the rest of the 2021 in, in good form, I think. I'd be interested to see what a league table looks like if you took away Man United's penalties, to be honest. But um, I saw stats something like they've had like 38 in the last 58 games or something. And two of them have yeah. been against us in the last few games and neither of them were penalties. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the thing is, it's always been thus with Villa and Man United. We just never seemed... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they are taking a fresh look at that 1995 can't win anything with kids game <laughs> and find out that Ian Taylor's studs are offside or something like that. Um, the thing is, that but, penalty, yeah. do you think that would have been given the other way if that was Villa? Absolutely no chance. Absolutely I agree with this. No the thing that annoyed me was Gary Neville's commentary saying that it was <laughs> silly from Louise but clever from Pogba. What, clever to kick his own foot and go down for a penalty? There was nothing in it. It was a, if that was anywhere else on the pitch, you just kind of go get up. There's nothing. Nothing's happened. You carry on. If that was the other way around and Grealish had gone down easily under Pogba or whoever, it'd be oh Grealish goes down easy. We all know what he's like. There was nothing in that. Get up, Jack. Carry on with the game. We don't like to see that. We don't like to see that in the game. Players going down easily. When it's Paul Pogba and Big Man United doing it, clever play. Clever play, Paul Pogba. Congratulations to you. It's just rubbish. I hate it. And even the penalty itself, I thought Martinez was close with it and that was annoying as well. I'd rather it just flew into the top corner. He had no chance. Even that was close. Good pen though, to be fair. Why don't you bury it with his little hop, skip and the jump? Um, yeah. Well, you know, what can we do about it? If you, if, I mean, I don't know how many points did we predict for Villa or hope for Villa over Christmas. I think they've probably still surpassed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, still, yeah of course. Only got one point from the last two away at Chelsea and Man United. Uh, I know 2020 was dominated by me and you saying nice things about Jack Grealish. I'm going to kick off 2021 by saying it again. Just listen. We know we know his balance. We know he, we know his vision. We know we know what an all round top class world class player he is. But I mean, there's a lot of criticism about Villa's delivery today, and we'll talk about that Traore free kick that's just knocked some stuff off my roof in a minute. <laughs> But um, Jack Grealish, the way he caresses the ball. I think if, if, if one of my kids got Good lost, you know, we're out, we're out shopping and we're going, one of my kids, I mean, they're a bit older now, one of my shop kids got lost at Merry Hill. I'd want Jack Grealish's right, right boot to guide them home because <laughs> it's so, everything he does, he's so measured. Even, even you know, the chance from McGinn in the first half where, where they've worked it well. Just, mm. just and, and I know it's only a five-yard pass that Grealish has played, but the overlap, he doesn't even look where Matty Cash is. But he just kind of struck, rolls the ball absolutely inch perfect into his path. Um, I don't know, two hundred million. Start the bidding at two hundred million. He's brilliant, isn't he? He's brilliant. I mean, I don't even know what you say about him anymore because the things that we look at and go, "Oh, that was good." I'm kind of just so used to him doing it now. I almost don't even appreciate as appreciate it as much as I probably should. So I'm just so used to him just being brilliant all the time. Um, a couple of people in the comments asking if we know when Barkley's back. What do you think? With the, I mean, we obviously don't know, but what 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 is the situation with Barkley? Do we think because it seems to be one of those ones where it's like, well, he'll be back next game, and then he's nowhere to be seen. Oh yeah, well next game we don't want to rush him, and he's still nowhere to be seen. Is this going to just rumble on, or is it just that we're keeping him protected as far as we can, and it's an injury and things change? 
I think you're on the wrong call, mate. I think you need to go on Dean Smith's Zoom press conference and yeah. ask him. Yeah. That's right. I don't know. You know, this theory is kind of that, that it's, it's a lot worse than the saying and all this kind of thing. I can't imagine it's 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 going to be that severe if Ross Barkley a day ago is tweeting nearly ready. Or yeah, do you know definitely. what I mean? I think it's you know, Villa have got form for doing this, and Dean Smith. To be to be fair to him, they they, they don't always show their hand. Shall I say to put it put it politely? Why should they? I mean, to be fair, we've been all right without him. So it's not like we're going, oh, Christ, we need him back. Like, yes, obviously, we want him back in the side and he will come straight back in there, like we said on the post-Chelsea podcast. Um, but we've done all right without him. We were unbeaten in December and we've just gone toe-to-toe with the joint top of the Premier League tables and probably should have got a point maybe more if our finishing was slightly better and we didn't have VR. I mean, I say we didn't have VR on our side. VR didn't even get involved. Mark Oliver gives the penalty. I know I've come back to it. He's given the penalty, which isn't one. And then we don't get the whole, oh, well, come on, Mark, come and have a look at it because we don't think it is. They show two two or three replays and go, yeah, penalty, crack on, give it to Man United and that's that. Whereas like we've seen plenty of times before, and I know we're covering old ground here, when it seems to be Villa who have a, a contentious decision, it's replay after replay after angle after angle, three, four, five minutes. When it's at Villa on the receiving end of it, a couple of replays and 20 seconds, it's like, yeah, okay, crack on, carry on with the game. It's just inconsistency that I don't like. Again, the yellow card thing that we mentioned before we came on air, um, I think it was the Wolves game and Mike Dean dishing out yellow cards for everybody for any little thing. I think we finished the game with six or seven. Whereas tonight, uh, Mark Oliver feels like he's left his yellow cards in the dressing room at half-time, doesn't give any out for black and yellow cards to Man United. It's just inconsistency that's the annoying thing. It's not specific instances. It's just why can't it always be the same? I'll always, always be inconsistently rubbish all the way through or sharpen up the referee in the, in the league. Well, yeah, you think Michael Oliver would like, wanted to have made amends for that dodgy one he gave against, you know, he, he changed against Brighton yeah, yeah. Um, the other week. Um, Isn't Mark Oliver supposed to be one of the best refs we've got as well? And that says it all, doesn't it? We might have another, another Oliver twist, haven't we, eh, mate? <laughs> Very nice. Um, How long have you been preparing that one? Why do people, th- these things come naturally. Like do I said to somebody earlier, they're fresh off the bone, all these. Um, what was I going to say? What did you make of the no the goal first of all the um, the Martial opener? Um, well, I was doing social media throughout the game, and my uh, my initial post said something like, "Goal for for Martial, a complete fluke. How annoying!" And I saw a couple of replays of it, and I'm not sure whether it even did hit Mings. I still don't know now whether Mings actually headed the ball or not. Whether he just completely missed it. My first instinct was that Mings touched it with his head to clear it away. It's just bounced off Martial and gone in. And I thought, oh, what a fluky, typical Man United goal that is. And then I've seen it again and thought, actually, I don't know if Mings has got it. He's just missed the ball, which is still poor for Mings and he should do better. Whether he's touched it and not cleared it away or not touched it, he should have. But I think it's just quick reactions from Martial. I think it has kind of just hit him, but he's still got enough on it to guide it towards goal and it's gone in. It's just, it felt like a fluky, typical Man United thing to me. I don't know whether I'm just not giving Martial the credit he maybe deserves, that it's actually a decent header. I don't know whether I'm perhaps perhaps trying to protect Villa a little bit more. I thought it was quite a, quite a, an efficient goal. By yeah, okay. If you look at the um, the way that Pogba, Pogba, I think Rashford have moved the ball on to wan I think it was too easy for them in the first place. The build, to get that oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But then wan has delivered a, a ball at pace. I think Ming's... Ming should have got something on it, I think, and should have done more to divert the course of the ball. Uh, but I think he was wrong-footed by the way. You know, I think he, he, it was a good ball. 
you know, I think his momentum was taking him elsewhere mm. and he didn't quite have enough to move. What I'm saying is I think there's been a bit of a, a witch hunt against Mings again. Yeah. When I think I think that's a very simple way of apportioning blame. I think there's collective blame there because, you know, for a start, Martial's got between Mings and Conser. You know, McGinn, I think, was was the man who was trying to track wan because Matt Target was caught a little bit further up the pitch. I don't think it's fair to dig out one player. Yeah, to I agree. Um, and it was really frustrating because I thought Villa had a really decent foothold in the game at that start. I thought the first 10 minutes, I thought we were going to get battered, yeah, to be honest. But then we, we kind of found a, found a second wind, started playing some really nice stuff. Um, and the goal, I wouldn't say the goal came against the run of play. I thought it was fairly even by the time that the, the goal came came along, but it kind of thought, you kind of thought, you know, I don't, I don't think we deserved it. Uh, I thought we reacted okay to it, to be honest. Um, it's bloody Man United, isn't it? I've seen, I've seen us get so many pastings up there that I can't be too despondent and disappointed because mm. we're really competitive tonight. Um, well, I was there last year with, I think it was the first work shift I did for a Villa away game for the 2-2 and we played well in the one half there if I remember right and today like you said the first 10 minutes I thought oh god we, we're going to be under it a little bit here but we defended well and we, we played alright it was just we didn't have much of the ball to begin with and I thought oh this might not be quite our night but for the, the other 80 minutes give or take we've been like I said before we've gone toe-to-toe with Man United there so there's improvements there's things that we can definitely take positives from I think I think it, I said this to my dad when we were watching it. The difference now is that previously last season, if we were under the cosh a little bit and we'd break away and we'd get a little spell of possession, we'd do nothing with it. And we'd have we'd make no proper chances. Jack could maybe have have the ball for a bit and then not really do much with it because there's no support around him and we'd fizzle back out and be back under again. This time around, when we do get the ball, we 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 do at least make a good chance. I think, like you said, after that, that first ten minutes, I think I think the McGinn chance came then, and, the, and a corner came off off the back of it straight away. I think maybe two corners, and it's like, well, we haven't had the ball for the first ten minutes, but now we have got it. We are doing something with it, and then we kind of clicked into gear and found our rhythm a bit. And, and when we've got the ball, we we do move it around nicely, and we play some really good stuff. Like we are, we're a decent football inside now. I think we've said a few times like the the improvement, and I feel like I'm definitely spinning a a record we've done before. Like like Sky keeps saying about, oh, this team survived on the last day last year. We hear that every single commentary now. Don't forget they survived by the skin of their teeth, and we do it the same to an extent that we keep talking about how how the improvement has been in the last twelve months. But I think that's what that's what the main takeaway is that we are better with the ball now and we are a good side and it's not a fluke when we play well when we have a nice spell of possession or an, we play a nice move it's not like a fleeting moment in a game like we do things like that on the regular that McGinn pass at one point over to Bertrand Troy I think it was just calm and finesse and just having a little bit of swagger about us and if it's if it, if it wasn't for the finishing not being so great and the penalty decision with the Man United thing we'd have come away there and finally beaten Man United after all these years so we're getting there. I think that's the my overriding message after that last five minutes of ramble there, that there's not much to be concerned about, despite the fact we've been beaten by Man United again. Oh, I agree. I agree. It's been a really um, really encouraging Christmas time. Uh, I don't mm. think Villa played badly, have they? For a month? No, no. no not at all. Remember when was the last time we played badly? I think even when we went to West Ham, I thought we played, played yeah, yeah. decent. The last time we played poorly was the, the Southampton game and the Leeds defeat. They're the only games all season where we've not played well. I think even the Southampton game, Dunboy kind of screamers into the top corner. Yeah, so yeah. 
Villa have been competitive pretty much, you know, 90, 95% of the season. Um, so in terms of um, what were you going to say about Troy earlier about about the, the problems down Villa's right defence again? Or... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what the latest is with Trezeguet. He wasn't on the bench again tonight, was he? In a few, few games ago, I wanted to say a few weeks ago, I don't even think it was weeks ago. With I mean, I don't know what, I know it's 2021 now, but I don't know what's going on. The games just seem to be coming up all the time. But we said, like, he only cut his head. Why is he, why is he still out? I don't know what, whether that is a serious, more serious injury than, than we're, we're, we're led to believe. Um, but I like Troy all right. There's bits about him I like. I think his unpredictability on the ball and him going forward is something that's worth having in the side. But defensively, he offers nothing. He doesn't have anywhere near the same work rate that Trezeguet would have. And I think what Trezeguet lacks in creativity and forward play that Bertrand Troy has, he makes up for in work rate and, and effort. I know that's a bit of a cliche to be like, oh, he's not the best footballer, but he will work hard. And it feels a bit of an excuse to say, well, if he works hard, he should be in the side. But we needed somebody like that today, I think, to help support Cash. And I don't think Man United would have had half as much joy if Trezeguet was playing rather than Traoré. Then you'd think you can't really bring him off because who is there to bring on? There's no other wingers available and you've got to make a change with Jacob Ramsey. And to be fair, on, just on the changes quickly. As good as Davis and Ramsey might, might be at the moment or might go on to be at some point, when you're losing the game, Old Trafford against Man United, and you're a good side now, and they're a good side, Davis and Ramsey aren't going to make a difference, are they? If you're looking to bring on two kids, that's what we've got on the bench. That's a bit concerning. Yeah, but what I would say is, you know, let's let's not kind of run before we can walk. We were, we were saying a couple of months ago, is Villa's plan B strong enough to get points? And then you've had the likes of Esri Konsa, Courtney Hawes, Bertrand Traore, you know, have I missed anybody else? Um, El Ghazi. El Ghazi, obviously, yes, stepping up and doing the job. I'm not sure we can we can expect them to have a plan C at this mm. stage that's going to compete with a Man United side who think that they can be title challengers this year. So Villa have got Villa have had to carry a couple of injuries and a couple of suspensions in recent weeks, and they are still in the top six of the Premier League yeah, the yeah. game hand. So you're right. <laughs> you probably want better options than a young Jacob Ramsey and a and a raw Keenan Davis to bring off the bench. But that's what we that's what we've got at the moment. Um on the um on the Trezeguet thing about kind of Villa's injuries lingering longer than they, they should have. Do you think it's like um you know when you were at school and you were ill Hmm. Did your mum kind of let you have a couple of extra days off just to make sure you were properly right? Or did she send you straight back? I'll I'll barely, you know what I'm like now? I don't have days off for being ill if I'm ill. Yeah, you can still go in, you can still troop along. It won't be like that these days, I don't think, with the way the world is. If if you're ill now, it's get yourself yourself on your own. But back in the day, it'd be like, oh, go on, it's only a bit of a cold, crack on with it. I didn't get any days off, let alone extra days. I wonder if Dino's the other way, you know, and he just kind of lets them have a couple of extra pyjama days, just, you know, yeah. so Ross Barkley's there in his PJs, just having a couple of extra days on his PS. Um, in his Villa pyjamas, hopefully. I should hope so, yeah. Um, Villa pyjamas and, and a Chelsea kind of night hat. Um, <sighs> Troy all right, yeah. Well, he's come up with another goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm not digging him out. I like him. I like him creatively going forward. I just think defensively, there was far too many times where you could see he was nowhere near, nowhere near it defensively, and he's just lingering around, jogging back. And it's like, come on, yeah. mate, we need to all put a shift in here to get something. And I felt like he was 
but then he pops up with a goal. So I saw people like, on Twitter saying, come on, we need to hook him off now. And then he scored like 20 seconds later. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> I like it when that happens. There was one moment. I don't think it amounted to anything in the end, but um, it caught my attention because there was um, Marshall and Luke Shaw who were kind of just toying with Matty Cash as if it was like a couple of kittens playing with a mouse. Mm. And they were just like knocking one-twos to each other, trying to work work the space for a cross. And then you could just see on the edge, the very edge of the screen, Traore just kind of <laughs> gently, gently trotting along. Um, I'm trying now, to think of somebody who reminds me of, who's played for us before. I feel like there's somebody on the tip of my tongue that he was good going forward, but nothing, you know, a bit, not a bit of a passenger going back. When you need someone to put in a shift, he's not quite there. And there's somebody on the tip of my tongue who we used to have like that, and I just can't think who it is. I'm not sure, mate. I'm not sure. Any who it is. <laughs> uh, I don't um, know. Yeah, uh, listen. I think I think Villa's Villa's cast of understudies have done done really well in recent weeks. So yeah, I'm not going to really turn on anybody. Although, um, yeah, he was in danger of smashing the floodlights with that with that, <laughs> that first half break kick. Just, hey, this, is, um, this is a decent drop, by the way. Oh, is if, it? If Vocation Brewery want to send me some, what's it called? Yakima Pilsner. Very nice. So there you go. Um, yeah. We had I had two comments here. Someone says Enzo Beer, which is yeah, that's not a bad yeah. shout. And Michael says Ashley Young. Ashley Young put a bit of grafting, didn't they, from time to time? Or am I misremembering? I think Ashley Young was Ashley Young certainly tracked back more than Charles and Zogbia. Yeah, um, that's true. Maybe we need a sliding scale of uh, of tracking back, like the best ever and then the worst ever, and where Troy Rice slots into that. Uh, Kieran Devaney says, Janela, Hadji and Daly. You're, you're um, not old enough to have watched any of those. So you have to let me know. It's a winger's prerogative though, isn't it? Yeah, well, except, they don't have to. Like, they can get away with it. when it's not, except for yeah. when we get exposed. I think um, that probably comes with, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent. That, this whole issue probably comes with fullbacks being more attackive, attacking than they would have been back in back in the olden days, back in your day, back in Gary Neville's day. Um, Balls were heavy yeah, then, mate, like pig's bladders. Yeah, yeah, but when Matty Cash is bombing forward and Bertrand Chiraura is not tracking back either, that's when you've got issues, isn't it? You probably wouldn't notice it as much if if Bertrand, if uh, Matty Cash never crossed the halfway line. But there we go, that's a dif- different story. Yeah, I was trying. I was going to message you halfway well towards the end of the game when Matic came on to see if there's any pictures of him and Matty Cash. So I wanted to tweet a, a Cash in the Matic kind of. Um, thing. <laughs> that barely even works. I know. I, th- I thought that because I thought is it pronounced Matic and it's not. It's called Matic. So yeah. we'll leave that one on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, it's a good job you didn't say it on live on the podcast to everybody. Yeah, watching. it's fine, mate. Chop that yeah. out, mate, before anybody sees this. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'll edit that out. Um, just to wrap it up, then, because I didn't want this to be a long one today. Um, obviously, we've done our twenty twenty review, so I'm not going to say what were your thoughts on twenty twenty. But the, the the festive period, I guess, is over now, isn't it? Now there's a when do we play next? Is it the... Paul, isn't it? A week tonight, is it? Is it a week? Yeah, I think we said that last... Oh, it might be the 8th, I think. Yeah, so yeah, a week. Um, so yeah, I would class the festive period as being over now of that games every three or four days. So how do you summarise what we've seen in December? Obviously, we've gone unbeaten in December. I think it was four clean sheets, possibly maybe only three. And then we've gone we've gone well with Man United there and, and just missed out on getting any points. So... We're not going to sit here all doom and gloom. I do feel a little bit like oh, a little bit deflated, but I think that's just the measure of that Villa are actually good now. Um, I think pre-match they were talking about like how Man United are genuine title contenders and they they can go joint top. And you look at them and you think 
they're good in spells. Right, I know this is one probably barking at the wrong tree here, but I don't see Man United as a genuine title contender because if we'd have won tonight with a game in hand extra and gone to 29 points, I think, no one would be looking at us and going, Villa are genuine title contenders. So I kind of feel the same way about Man United and Villa, that we'll both be... Well, we'll both be in the top eight, I would say. Where we are in that, I don't know. Yeah, well... Villa probably, and this is probably me with claret and blue tinted specs on, could probably have another six points. Yeah. We've actually got. Am I being? Am I exaggerating there? Am I laying that on a bit thick? Um, um, I'd have to go back and look at the specific fixtures, but you think of the VAR things. We definitely would have got a point against West Ham. That's one. <laughs> I think we could could have got a point tonight. That's two. We probably could have beaten Chelsea. So that would be another two. Um, yeah, but definitely have three or four. Yeah, Brighton. We probably should have done better. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair. You you could easily say we could have three or four more points. We could be on 30 by now quite comfortably. So, looking for positives, and there's plenty, there's loads and loads of them. Villa in a strong position. and Should have beat Burnley, Darren Jones just said. Yeah, agreed. Should have beat West Ham. Yeah, fair. But I actually quite like the fact that, yeah, I know the world has woken up to Aston Villa and I think... Ash Priest did a piece the other day about how pundits have fallen in love with Villa and Carragher and um, secret Villa fanny and Wright and, and everybody are, are saying nice things about Villa. But I also think we're in a really good position to kind of still sneak under the radar. I'm not yeah. saying we're going to suddenly surge and make a, a push for the for the top spot come April, May. But I think it's a good place to be for, for managing expectations. I mean, listen, our expectations have still gone got, you know as high as a Bernard... Bertrand Traore free kick but I like it I like the fact that we're hovering around there it yeah. feels like it feels like familiar territory from from a decade ago or longer than a decade ago under O'Neill so I'm not going to be, be be too frustrated that Villa you know aren't second or third at the moment let's just enjoy what they're, what they're doing you know we've got an exciting team that can score goals that's got brilliant kind of camaraderie about them they don't look as susceptible to concede goals in the first place and mm. when they do concede goals that doesn't look like it's the end of the game for them it yeah. just looks like it kind of gives them you know a renewed challenge so well, what's not to like about it really and you know if it doesn't if they don't sustain it over the whole season I don't want to be one of these negative Villa fans who, who thinks we were punching above our weight because we thoroughly deserve to be be where we are. But it's progress, you know. I don't. Mm. I want to be, want to be careful what I say and so as not to tempt fate here. But I would imagine that whatever Villa do, God, please don't let me jinx this. Whatever Villa do over the next four or five months, when we look at the the season as a whole and when we look at the league table come the middle or end of May, there will have been progress. Mm. made for last season. How significant yeah. that is depends on whether they can sustain it, whether the plan B and plan C is as good as the, the plan A, whether teams work them out or treat them with a bit more respect or find ways to stop them. Um, but at the moment, you know, even though I'm fuming after feeling that we've been robbed um, in the, you know, the theatre of cheats, I just think let's just enjoy it. Let's just in, in, enjoy what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, nice. That's probably a good way to end it, but I'm just going to say one more thing because a comment's just reminding me. I think we probably, like you just said about going under the radar a little bit, I think we've probably benefited from Southampton, West Ham to an extent, Everton and the Bielsa effect that they've all had good seasons as well. 
that we can kind of go about our business. And yes, people are looking at us and we're getting, you know, we're getting included in those viral tweets where people are looking at our score lines and going, oh, Villa, Villa have had a great window. Villa have done this. Villa have done that. I think because other sides have also had good seasons, the unusual, say the sides unusually, but you know, not, not the typical big boys are doing well, like an Everton or Southampton. I think we can slot in with those and, and be, yes, Villa have been good, but people kind of, kind of don't quite realise how good Villa have been. And that probably quite suits us, I think, that we're still kind of underestimated a little bit. Some people still look at us and go, oh, Villa, they survived it on the last day. They were 17th last year. They're not that good. Whereas then when we actually play them, like, Christ, they, they are actually quite good. Grealish is, Grealish is a special player. Um, yeah, I do love the fact how ninth place Southampton, tenth place West Ham, and eleventh place Leeds United are helping sixth place Aston Villa slip under the radar. That's, um, that's yeah, but you know what I mean. Though. In the in the media though, it's all about Elsa, isn't it? It's all about. Well, how don't start me on the mainstream media, mate. Do not start me on them. <laughs> uh, the other point I wanted to raise was a tweet I got earlier. No, it wasn't a tweet. It was a comment on our end of twenty twenty review saying that there was a stage in twenty twenty where I thought this was the person speaking. I thought that we'd be lucky to be sixth in the championship at the start of 2021. So the fact that we're sixth in the Premier League at the start of 2021 shows you just how remarkable the turnarounds have been. We sat here, didn't we, at some point in June or July, go with our head in our hands, thinking, oh, this is it. I think probably after the Man United game, to be fair, going, yeah. oh, this is it. That's it. We've blown it. We've got three or four games left, five games left. We're not going to get out of this, are we? So the fact that, what, six, seven months later, we're disappointed with losing against them now and we're sixth in the Premier League is a bit of perspective to say, look, let's not all get carried away because we've lost a game. We're a good side now and we'll continue to win games for the rest of the season. If we can finish in the top eight, top six, top four, top two, it'll be a great season. <laughs> it was um, that Man United game at Villa Park at back end of last season. The podcast we had after that was a very different conversation. Yeah. And the, the Bruno Fernandes penalty decision, we're saying, that's it. That just shows shows that we're doomed. Yet we're talking about another penalty controversy tonight. And we, although we were annoyed at it, we're saying the fact that Villa didn't let that, didn't even let that decision make them buckle and they still went to try and find a way back into that game mm-hmm. shows what this Villa team's made of. So, you know, it's it's night and day, isn't it, the, the, comparing the two. Um, what I wanted to say to you just before you go, you said it's the end of the festive period. When do you take your Christmas tree down? Oh, well, this is an interesting point. You spoke, there is a date, isn't there? Is it something like the 6th of January well, or something? Yeah. yeah, I've said that I should be down by now because it just doesn't look that good anymore. We've got a real tree up the garden as well and that's still still going just about. It's got snow on it still, so that looks quite nice. But I'm saying, yeah, it's, it's over now. Let's get it down. Is that Scrooge to say, get it down on the 1st? No, well, I think ours is coming down tomorrow, I think. Yeah, the first weekend in January is a good, good, good time to do it. It just, it just seems, it, you know, it's when over you now. It, all the turkey's gone, all the pigs in blankets are gone. That's yeah. it. You can't still eat cheese in the middle of the day anymore. Yeah, still got loads of beer left and loads of chocolate. But to me, when you put it up in early December, it has a magic about it. But it's just in the way now, isn't it? You want, you yeah. want kind of clean lines, don't you? Properly, don't you? You want to Hoover properly. You want to get round it. What, what I really want to do, yeah, I really want yeah. to Hoover. Properly. It's back to work, isn't it? Now it's back to work. Everything's resumed. You can't eat chocolate for breakfast anymore. It's just you can't put Baileys in your coffee every five seconds. It's just not Christmas anymore. Is it? it's over? It's done. And just um, finally, from me, what do you think the New Year's resolution should be of the Claret and Blue podcast for 2021? Do some research. Or not? What about start about start talking about football? Is that a, is that a good one? We should well we wouldn't stick to it, would we? It'd be gone. It's already gone from the first January. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Maybe maybe our New Year's resolution is that we shouldn't be on it anymore, and we should just let James Rushton crack on and do with it. Imagine. It'd be so boring, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyway. I'm watching James, he isn't watching. He only watches the one he's on. Um, <laughs> right, let's get out of here before I mug him off anymore. Also, new shirt by the way, little Christmas present. All right, have you seen on that the AF Kazoo? It's like a car. It's it's a like car wing yeah. yeah, yeah. Where is it? <laughs> it's the side. Well, why are you just feeling in the pools now? <laughs> I'm looking at it on the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Thank you very much, everybody who's tuned in for the first episode of 2021. We'll be back again. Uh, a week today, I believe, but we might do an episode mid midweek, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, we've got to do a one to one still from 2020, so could yeah. do a lot of the Bible. Okay, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I've also got some 2020 holiday to take as well, so hopefully that's been carried over <laughs> to the new year. Oh, no, you might yeah. have the, the line up a bit now. Uh, is it? Okay, all right. Well, we'll get out of here then. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Matt, for joining me this evening, and we'll uh, see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.